Mashu Layla. Mashu Layla. Yeah. From Lebanon. from Lebanon and I think also from uh, the, uh, from the U.S. somewhere. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, welcome to the show. This is uh, Infinity License 29. Episode 29. Uh, how you doing, Brian? I'm good. Uh, I have fully recovered from both uh, the foot injury I sustained in the Philippines. Um, you know how my foot was broken for a little while there and I was limping? It wasn't as visible when I was back here, but my toe was broken. You actually healed really quickly because I, I know. forgot that that even happened to you. I know, exactly. And because I, I, I know because I've been able to now exercise for the first time in, in essentially six six weeks, uh, and I feel good. Uh, I think we're going to talk a little bit about hacking, Russia hacking, what I do all day, except not for Russia. <laughs> sure, not <laughs> for Russia. Not for That's Russia. That's what I do all day. Oh, my God. I would get in so much trouble if I was talking to Russia. Um uh, we're going to talk about the recent economic news. Stock market up, then down, and then down again. And Bitcoin up, and then down, <laughs> and really far down. Kind of trending in the same direction, uh, you know. And 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 then we're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about the Amazon and uh, Warren Buffett proposal uh, to to finally run our healthcare system because they've decided that uh oh, like we might have to put a substitute healthcare system in because the American one is definitely going to crumble. <laughs> And then I won't have a job, or then I'll have to go work for Amazon, which I'd, I'd rather work for Berkshire Hathaway than I'd work for Amazon. So I hope uh, Ber- Berkshire Hathaway is probably kind of boring. Yeah, but that's I'd rather be boring. Like my current job is boring, so it allows me like I, time to do stuff like this. And then uh, you know, if I work for Amazon, they're just gonna be like emailing me while I like take a shit, and they're like, if you don't take that shit in five minutes, then you're, you're <laughs> we're gonna take you back. <laughs> Alexa knows too. I know Alexa. Well, how much will I work if Amazon takes over a health insurance plan? No, yeah, she sorry. She know. said, "Sorry, she's not sure." Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, so let's get started. So, speaking of, uh, I mean, speaking of the CIA, uh, I mean, as the CIA has done many times, uh, we we have had our election compromised. Yeah. One of the biggest stories this week is this whole Nunes memo thing, and um, yeah, I mean, like it's it it really is getting to a point where it's starting to become surreal. Um, like the way that this is happening and what actually happened and versus the way it's being covered. The reason that I reacted really strongly to this news was because no one made notice of the fact that on Monday, which was the deadline for the Trump administration to enforce sanctions on Russia, he didn't do it. <laughs> he said, um, we think it's actually um, going to be like redundant with other... They just didn't do it. Whatever yeah. they said. It, it, and I forgot specifically what... I mean, you can go look it up yourself, but... Yeah. It's bullshit. It, whatever it is, is they just decided we don't need to do this. Yeah. The thing that's relevant about this is that it's it's yet more um, uh, evidence that Trump is basically and somehow an, an organ of pro Russia policy. Yeah. And it also happens to be exactly what Michael Flynn told Sergey Kislyak on the phone yeah. was going to happen. Right. Like he got everyone knows. Oh, Michael Flynn got arrested. Oh, the coast of cards is coming down. Yeah. But no one wants to talk about a the fact that okay, so why are we shilling for Israel? What that was one of the phone calls that that Flynn made to Kislyak. Yeah. And the other one was to say, hey, don't worry, don't overreact to the sanctions that Obama just just imposed. We're gonna rip up whatever right. passes. Yeah. And then that happened. Okay. Right. So. Right. So the reason that, that I, I really wanted to talk about this was because 
we've spent a lot of time in this podcast, and I've certainly in my private life been like exhorting people to like let Mueller do his job. Like, yeah. I'm really glad that a special counselor um, has been special counsel has been appointed. Um, I think that like it, if Rod Rosenstein gets fired, who is who is his boss and who's the only person who can fire Mueller, then we're sort of in a different ball game. Right. But this is one small piece of a larger story about how the Russia hack. A sovereign state attack attack on our country. It is demonstrating how completely cleaved our system is. Our government doesn't work anymore. And the real story with Russia is that it is showing how broken our system is. To focus on the Russia intrigue as the reason we have Trump is misguided. And it plays into this what I call like the mishire idea. Like, why did what mistake did we make to get Trump? And the reality is. All the like fake news and stuff that Russia was was promoting on social media, it it took place. They they, they attacked a patient that was very vulnerable. Yeah. And my question is, why are we vulnerable? Okay, Steny Hoyer, who's one of the people who was like the chief architects of the sanctions, his only reaction to Trump announcing that he wasn't going to imp- implement them, this happened and that that happened the day before the State of the Union, was to put out a bullshit pansy statement saying, I am very disappointed that President Trump has decided not to. I hope that he finds it in his heart. To Are you, Democratic Party. <laughs> the Democrats should have, if they're as serious about the Russia Russian stuff as they claim to be or as, as the, the smart set wants it to be, they should have fucking boycotted the State yeah. of the Union to say this is the most brazen thing yet to indicate that we that our president is in the pocket of the Kremlin and why are you not why are we not making a bigger deal of this okay yeah so it's so then it's in the context of this okay so then this is the next thing this election was i think nothing short of like the 911 of cyber warfare like we're focusing on Trump and his real estate money laundering stuff like that we were attacked in a way that was very top down very traced. I mean, there's like basically no doubt, you know, that that that, that this was a, a state action. Uh, the sophistication of the of the hacks would, would be impossible otherwise. Um, this was a very specific and concerted attack from the Russian government on our govern on out on the rudiments of our government. Um, in a way that we have not yet contended with. Sanctions would begin to cover it, but like. Really, what is needed is for us to contend with the fact that, like, yeah, we need to get up in arms to the degree that we did. Where, like, nine eleven. What when I say nine eleven, what I mean is like we've always had these big oceans that defended us, and the base, the day that that stopped was nine eleven, right? Like, right. Uh, in this in this instance, this two thousand sixteen election, we thought that our natural, like, all the fuckery with like Stuxnet and all these things that we had done uh, abroad, um, it finally was a complete patented attack on us, and. Um, Figuring out how to talk about that is like the place to start from this, which is why the Nunes memo and all of the the fact that this has become such a partisan thing is really frustrating to me. Well, yeah, I I agree, and I think again back to the point about how there's so much news about it and how the, there's so much things where it's like people just say the Russia investigation. And it's kind of hard to pin down because you're just like, are we are we pointing to the fact that Russia just paid like a used Russia today, which is a state-owned essentially propaganda wing for the Russian go- government, um, that's that can just like load up your Twitter timeline or your Facebook timeline and people that don't know any better on Facebook, which I'm starting to learn <laughs> is a lot. And even though that we deleted our Facebooks, I went back on there, uh, uh, according to Lenny. <laughs> so <laughs> my, my aunt 
posted today. <laughs> I have to do this aside, but we'll get back to the serious Russia stuff. A Facebook. That was her status. <laughs> her status. Says, Please take down my profile. Thank you. <laughs> that was her status update. Just, uh, yeah, Mark Zuckerberg, at Zuckerberg. Um, and I just, so like, I shared that with my sisters instantly. And I was like, glad. And that was the highlight of the day to me. But it's like, so I, those are the kind of people that are just populating Facebook and getting Rus- Russian news. This was a successful Watergate. Yeah, I, I am referring to. Um, I mean, we could talk about like you know the the things that they tried to do with uh, hacking actually actual ballot boxes. Yeah. But what I'm actually referring to is the fact that they uh, went in and basically grabbed Compromat from the DNC and released it um, in a very strategic way. The Democratic Party had lost so much respect by that time that when people heard that they had gotten hacked, it was like, oh, just show me what's in Hillary's emails or crooked Hillary's emails. You know, let me see what she's up to. Yeah. You know, there was no like solidarity about like, oh my God, a a linchpin of our even a shitty linchpin like the Democratic Party, you know, establishment right. had been fucking the target of a state sponsored attack. Not a state sponsored like a military attack. Right. Um I mean like I think though yeah, uh, no, I'm sorry. And it, and it got con- and the partisanship continued and continues. That's what this that the, the the lens I see this this Nunes memo thing in. When b- before the before the election, Obama knew that Russians were hacking and stealing inf- stealing data, listening in on emails, calls and stuff from the DNC, and releasing it, okay? This was known, okay? He didn't say anything about it because he's a pussy, all right? Obama's never, ever going to live this down. Uh, he, all the megawatt smiles he cast for the rest of his life, I will see in him an inspirational figure who's the first black president elected. I will also see someone who was so taciturn, so unable to do anything, that he knew that this entire process was being subverted and he didn't do anything about it. What he did do was go to Mitch McConnell and attempt to get um, a joint statement released saying, we uh, mutually condemn the fact that this is happening. We condemn Russia. Mitch McConnell didn't agree to it because he was benefiting from it, which makes Mitch McConnell 100% guilty of treason, okay? Yeah. Why is this not being made into SNL sketches? You know what I mean? Uh, like, Lenny, uh, talk to my friend Mitch, and we're going to come to a grand bargain on uh, releasing this memo. It's bipartisan. Obama, <laughs> I, President, former President Obama, can I ask you a question? Why did you think that the grand bargain that netted you putting out zero information about what you knew was Russian hacking was a good idea? Uh, because Russians didn't build that. <laughs> I did. <laughs> you did. Oh, you did it. Oh, I did. It was the Kennedys did. doing we it. Did. Yeah. I mean, that's not your. That's not your email. That's my email. <laughs> Uh, Mitchell understands. I, I feel like Mitchell the AI, we're, gonna, we're gonna play hoops. AI <laughs> Obama would just resort to like stories you don't care about about like factory workers from Sandusky, Ohio. You know? Yeah, like that. That was the one thing I, the gripe I always had about his oratory style was that he always resorted to those stupid like relatable stories too easily. Yeah. Well, I mean, like it's there's not a lot of because of tele because television and the internet have ruined our brains. It's uh, the reason why I think this is not a story to answer your question from previously or re- why it's not more of the story. It should be. I agree with you that in that case is because I don't go back to. The Benghazi, I would even say Benghazi being the story, like and Fox News putting Benghazi on the like essentially people who have gotten who watch a lot of corporate news, they see the Russia story as the Democrat equivalent of of Benghazi. So that's why, like, because nothing became of Benghazi, and because it was like a way 
different story that like is nuanced and all that stuff. We were just so inundated and flooded with so much corporate media in, in one day that like they can't even discern. They can't pick out a narrative. You can't pick a line and go like this is the narrative A to B. Like if like I said, it was saying in the beginning that. You know, when you say Russia to me, I'm like, well, yeah, they probably did pay for those like bots and stuff like a bunch of uh, like fake accounts on Twitter and Facebook that spread around a bunch of stuff that made America either fake news or stuff that's like kind of, you know, unsavory about the American political system or about Hillary. Um, but does do I also then connect it to it's like, well, then it seems like they also made some kind of deal about these sanctions, which you're saying is the big story, which I agree with you is right. That's like more of a big deal. It has billions of dollars on the line and and also just like how america operates business abroad and you know who we can do business it's also with. sanctions is, is is known as a as a way to actually affect putin because his entire role as the orchestrator of all these oligarchs and the free flow of their capital is a really important part of his function right and, and it's a seat of power like, that's like that's what yeah he, like, he, and so and so the magnitsky act affected him um i mean that's like what they mentioned by like adoption stuff i mean it's all like sanctions and 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 uh, calling out specific people in the government that can't can are no longer are persona non grata in the Western world is exactly how you attack him, and they just totally refuse to do it. Yeah, my 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 main point. Yeah, I mean, like I think that the the equation of Benghazi with Russia is exactly the problem. Benghazi. Yeah, but that's that's my point though. Is that we've been flooded because if you asked if you ask your normal person who watches Sean Hannity every day, it. Is Benghazi a big deal on the level of the Russia thing? They would. What do you think they would say? I would say they probably would say, "Well, there is no Russia thing." <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, that's then. There you go. That's my. That answers my. Or is you're right. Okay. Point. So you're saying you're the, you're arguing that like to them, Benga These are both fabricated things to just to nail the other person. We we live. Saying. Yeah. So it's a it's a big thing to us, and it's certainly a big thing to the American government right now, and it's probably a big thing in in intelligence circles and the deep state <laughs> and all, all that stuff, and certainly in in international people who are in international political circles and people that are in the media. The problem is that that we live in such a fragmented and segmented media market that there we don't have, and this is the reason why we're like we're all fractured and nobody really can make a big deal about everything because you can only throw a shit fit so many times about the Russia stuff before people are just like kind of sick of it. It's the same reason at the beginning where you're saying like we can't even measure time in a week anymore because time is just completely like just like stretched out and elongated to a thing where it's like we don't even know what the news cycle is. You're like when did the when did the Michael Flynn thing happen? Was that two, yesterday or six weeks ago? Like you just we just kind of I, and we're people that are hyper tuned in or plugged into what like because we are fascinated by media and and news that we are, are plugged into this but think about just a person who just works a normal job and they like they used to just get their news uh you know like they got it once a day and that was it now that but now they get it like through these other media channels that we don't even fucking know about like whether it's Russia okay, today or just like facebook or whatever yeah totally you make a, you make a good point fair enough i i guess then that the, my frustration might lie in addition to um uh with you know republicans for having go gone along with this but to uh with with people on the left and Democrats that need to need to really make this known, this is my ultimate point, and this is what I want them to say: um, the uh, the politicization of this event is disgraceful, and it is a further sign of the complete disintegration of any functional meaning of the you know American, the American people. Fuck the fuck the fucking people who mention American people. There's literally not even an American government anymore. Yeah. There's <laughs> half of there's one half and there's another half and the if this overt s sovereign nation attack 
is being is is to be politicized in the way that it so far has been, um, then then there is no then there is no America to speak of, and if the Democrats can't raise umbrage uh, on enough to make this be known, then they're useless. Okay, then they deserve to be to be ki- to die a natural death. Yes, the Nunes memo, for all of the like you know the froth that it caused, is one more. Is one more development in a story of the absolutely disgraceful politicization of an attack on the country um, that no one really seems to care about for some reason, and um, it really pisses me off. And uh, yeah, I mean, like I, it, it, like you know, I, I think one of the things, if I were to direct my ire towards one specific thing, in addition to the Democrats and like the Steny Horror thing I mentioned, it would be I saw a uh, around the State of the Union, I saw a Vox article. That was like how democracy survived the first year under Trump. It's like, what the, wh- who, who the fuck is yeah. saying that democracy survived? Yeah. Like, democracy at the ballot box survived in the sense that, like, we had a thrillingly exhilarating d- d- democratic moment by electing him. Yeah. But what they mean to say is that, like, what Abraham Lincoln used to refer to as the American experiment is alive and well. It is not alive and well. It's not alive and well. It hasn't been alive and well since Mitch McConnell refused to um, hear a Merrick, the Merrick Garland. Uh, Supreme Court nomination. Yeah, it hasn't. It this government has been skating by on the codification, uh, which had happened long ago, of rules to make it mimic to make basically the, the minimum standard rules that on top of which there would be this like great deliberation and, and stuff. Um, that is the American government. The fact that we have whittled it down th- through through the burning off of any kind of, of, of shared goodwill or shared uh, agenda to the fact that we're now relying on, like, should we blow up the filibuster rule and all this technical procedural bullshit, the government is 100% dysfunctional. Yeah. Oh, there was an article in the week that referred to us as they, the, the, they fir- pe- the first failed rich state. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, no, like, we are uh, failed. That, yeah, yeah, maybe that's my point. Yeah. You want to read the Nunes memo and all this stuff? We are a failed state. Yes, we can do some stuff. Like, yes, we're collecting taxes and stuff like that. But you show me something in the recent history more unanimous than the Russia sanctions that were passed. And it didn't get executed by the executive branch. Why? Because, oh, maybe he's potentially in the pocket of this foreign adversary. I mean, this is a failed state at a very high level of operation. And the final breaking point is the P-tape. The, I don't want there to be partisan war. I don't want there to be parties in general, but at least use the the, the pulpit of, of the minority when you're out of power and literally nothing you do matters to raise, raise offense at what is being done to the government. I mean, I don't hear anyone in government proposing anything that's going to protect that institution and, the, and and rocking the boat and really figuring out a way, whether it's boycotting State of the Union, whether it's refusing to participate in another committee hearing or something like that, something that makes them, that runs the risk of them seeming, you know, zealous or overzealous or whatever, something like that is what is needed to save, to, to, to start a conversation and, and, and maybe lead to some sort of actual validation to save the institution that is the American government because right now it basically doesn't work. The people who 
our DNC lifers or RNC lifers or people that are like members of those institutions. I've worked with them before. They're all people that like went to Georgetown or went to GW and were just like, well, like we got to protect like the, the, it's like what the Chapo Trap House guys talk about like the West Wing kind of like glorification of government where they're just like, we just have to, you know, it's good to get, you know, like have a beer with your RNC colleague and then, but you, you get, you get like into fights about like, you know, the laugher curve or whatever stupid shit that you, you, like you talk about. Well, guess what? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, And guess what? Okay, so the RNC is an organization that officially did not have, did not take the opportunity to de- uh, announce, let alone decry Russia hacking when it could have still had an impact. They're the organization that is responsible for the most craven politicization of the intelligence community that I've ever seen, which is what the Nunes memo is. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it the whole thing. Every everyone is a fucking disgrace. Like we may as well they they're going to be the last people to figure out that we're going to have to start over. Yeah. Um, what if this just ends up like, do you remember the episode of the office where like Michael leaves, but they forget to hire a manager. So they're just like, they're like, yeah, it turns out if you don't have a manager, people just like work out fine. <laughs> like watch like DC just implodes on itself with the rest of America. We just kind of like figured out like, all right, we've got to kind of figure out. Let's like, get rid of the government and life will be better. I know. Uh, it's more like anarcho libertarian to me. Speaking of anarchic capitalism, let's talk about the stock market. The it's least, not the least anarchic uh, <laughs> mode of uh, faux capitalism that exists. Um, so we're recording this on a day after the uh, like the biggest uh, point in point ter- in terms of points, not percentage points, not percentage points, but per, but like dollars basically yeah. that the Dow ever dropped. It was like fourteen fifty or something. It started the lowest was eleven seventy, but it closed at eleven. Yeah, it was like yeah, it, it, it dropped eleven seventy five points. Uh, and it dropped 666 points ooh, on Friday. I know. I saw that. I was like, ooh, the globalists are at it again. The globalists. 666, the, the number of the beast. Um, the funny thing about this that we wanted to talk about was that um, the original story here a couple days ago was that the job numbers were really good. And like, right. <laughs> on Friday, like the, jo- the job numbers were good. And that instantly resulted in like what would have been in other... In uh, any other time, like especially in the post two thousand eight era, was like every time people were like in two thousand eight two thousand nine. People were I remember people just like every NPR coverage was all about like we're like we're watching the jobs thing because it's a big deal for Obama. Like the jobs thing was a huge deal in the midterm elections going into uh, twenty twelve, um, and then the job. So and every time the jobs numbers did go up, the stock market generally had a pretty okay to a good day because it's like okay well if more people have jobs they have money they can spend in the economy and they can and they can either buy stocks or they can buy goods that the companies that are selling their stocks are selling and but that's because yeah. they um the, like back in those days we were we, we had like eight years or something of like zero percent interest yeah. rates and now uh the positive job numbers and actual <gasps> wage growth um which hit 2.9 percent in january some people are saying it's going to go above three uh, in the next couple months, um, the idea being that like the actually now inflation might be a concern. We're way past the era of like free money, money. just like throwing money, like climbing for dollars uh, that um, that used to exist back in those days. And so now uh, Wall Street, basically the theory, I mean, there was no other economic news to speak of. So that's my best guess that they both thought it was overheated. And also um, these this wage growth uh, information came out. And it was like, oh shit, they're gonna raise rates, and therefore we, ha- you know, that that caused the stock sell off because money's gonna be a little bit tighter. Um, well, it's gonna be tighter for a certain class of people. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. It's gonna be yeah, yeah. much more abundant for people getting paid more yeah. to do work. Yeah, this is one of the funny things I I I 
my my rendering of the financial crisis. Like in the in the depths of the financial crisis, it was a rare moment in which the interests of the financial sector and the economy were actually 100% aligned. Because usually, you know, like they like I'm I'm someone who like still generally defends the wisdom of the bailout just because it was an exigent circumstance they needed to backstop and like show confidence and what all this other stuff we can talk about. Uh, even I think they also knew they weren't going to lend out that money. <laughs> but um but like most of the time the financial sector like Wall Street and the actual economy do not operate on the same logic and yeah. like what's good for one is not good for the other this we see this not only in terms of macro stock market uh, uh events like this but also like Wall Street doesn't Wall Street likes cost cutting that you know sets up the company for future losses and and doesn't like you know wage increases the issue is that like well the whole touting of the Trump tax plan and the whole touting of like the Trump administration's policies around uh, the the uh, the tax cut is that it's like well these people are going to have more money and they're going to invest in their businesses meaning they're going to invest in uh, durable goods like actual like upgrading their upgrading their materials or machines to improve better and like and giving workers ra- wage raises like like we saw the point zero zero one increase in wages but the idea that that's going to go up but the reality is that like the 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 capital owning class will just continue to hoard it the way they have done because that's the human nature is to like like the reason why the the government compels people to have taxes or like put put purposely put money back into the system whether it is through raising interest rates or just like forcing taxing them and putting it into like a government infrastructure program or whatever it is is because those people time and time again throughout history is are shown to like I'll point to 1928 1929 <laughs> like where there's like uh no we're just going to hold on to it and uh, and keep keep playing playing in the casino that is the stock market yeah. uh, and so like that like that's so the the thought process is that like no 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 they'll, they'll reinvest in their companies they'll see their own good and like they'll reinvest in companies or other capital projects or in make investments in something but the reality is that like no no we we are on a short term thinking thing here and the whole thing it's like actually Warren Buffett had who we'll talk about maybe in a little bit um it, Warren Buffett had a great quote in referring to the 2008 financial collapse where he talks about how it's it's like being at i'm paraphrasing but it's like it's like being we're all at cinderella's ball and we're all dancing and we're like everything's so beautiful and we know that it's like we know midnight's coming but it's like well whatever we're just gonna like all hang out and like we're gonna the party keeps going you're drinking wine you're dancing and you're like this is the best party and then all of a sudden everyone looks up and it's like half past midnight and you're like oh <laughs> like because that like that's what happens like that's what ha- like because you can't not get out like look at what even what happened with bitcoin people were like well, i'm not gonna get out like it's it you could have made a 300 investment and turned it into a, like a your rent money at least for a month if you timed out right like if you cashed it out correctly bitcoin actually should have presaged this drop because uh what's it at now like seven thousand something it was seven thousand earlier today i mean I, i'm fine we're still, we're with... still bullish bitcoin here oh folks. totally yeah. totally bullish i get all these dilettantes need to get out yeah uh i'm, this is the purge. I'm totally fine seeing <laughs> uh seeing it as a, a, a indicator of like Investor over exuberance. Yeah. Uh, for now, but I, I think that the you know the long term potential I agree. is still higher. And that's not what I, I was just using Bitcoin as an example. I mean, like uh, maybe no, no, totally. it, it works. Yeah. Um. All right, so let's uh, move on to uh, our last our final topic. topic of the the evening, or a final to- whenever you may listen to this evening <laughs> on your morning commute, you might be on the failing midnight. In midnight. We do we do we lull you to sleep? I wouldn't be surprised if people use this podcast to fall asleep. <laughs> um, but when are, when are you listening to this? 
Uh, we were talking about Amazon had a press release. Amazon, Berkshire Hathaway, and J.P. Morgan uh, released a press release earlier this week that also, or last week, that that sent, actually, speaking of stocks, uh, health like health insurance companies and CVS and a couple other pharmacies, uh, their stock price plummeting. Really? Yeah. Um, and I have some not not totally harebrained theories as to why, but it's because basically that uh, they, they they released a very vague, purposely vague, I think, press release saying that, like, hey, we're going to enter into the healthcare market. It's something that we haven't done, and we're going to enter into it. And those companies' stock prices plummeted because they're like, oh, crap. Like, we have essentially had a cartel over this segment of the economy for a while, and now, like, the <laughs> the big dick players are coming in. <laughs> and, and so, like, they, they're coming in. Uh, they haven't said what they're going to do. So some people think that it's going to be, like, Amazon's going to spearhead some kind of, like, digital app economy around your healthcare, which is kind of like what ZocDoc does. And they, they partner with certain, uh, with uh, other insurance companies to figure it out. Um, but the, the uh, Berkshire Hathaway and JP Morgan, I assume are coming in on the financing end of it um, because it is just, it is a thing that you can only finance if you can have an insane amount of money. Yeah, That's where all, it only happens at scale. Right, exactly. Healthcare only happens at scale. It's the reason why Medicare for All, as I will advocate, is the only reason that works. Um, everybody needs healthcare. You and depending on what treatments you need, if it's between you and and certain life or death, you would pay no matter what amount of money for it. So you do need a lot of money to back it up. There have been a lot, uh, and the interesting thing about Amazon and oh, to me about Amazon and Berkshire Hathaway and J.P. Morgan stepping into this market is that they're essentially saying that like, oh crap, like the government really isn't going to figure this out and we have to figure this out now because they're saying that like, look, uh, we thought that there would eventually be some kind of state-sponsored or like propped up version of Obamacare or Trump care or whatever it is where they, we can like get subsidies out, out to these insurance companies. But then Amazon and uh, Warren Buffett looked at their balance sheets and they're like, well, I guess we're just going to have to take care of our employees ourselves because <laughs> the insurance, because normally well, your, your company contracts out to a third party insurance company and then they have the subject matter expertise where they essentially work with the government and other American Medical Association to negotiate prices on your behalf. Uh, but the, like that model is breaking and breaking fast. Um, so, so big, big companies are our future overlords and, and <laughs> we'll give our, give their serfs uh, uh, healthcare because they're like, because from a business perspective, there's like, we can't just, it's, it's easier for us to solve this problem in house than contract it out to a United or a uh, emblem health or something like that, or a blue cross blue shield. Um, which I hope they succeed. I mean, like the, the, the issue with that though, is that it's like the issue is that if you're, then you're in a completely transactional uh, situation with your employer and you're captive to them too you're, you're exactly right, yeah. you're captive to it's like hey all of a sudden if you need i mean you're kind of already that but if you're a person that needs ins like amazon produced insulin then you are and you can't get it anywhere else and you will die without it then and that other person has a lane where they can advocate for, for that in a de normal functioning democracy where they could be like hey everyone deserve everyone that has diabetes deserves to have insulin <laughs> but uh, uh but in the amazon in like the amazon run world where it could be like jeff Hefe bezos could be like away <laughs> uh, how bad do you want this insulin and he dangles it over you like <laughs> dance for me um, uh, all but, right well yeah. let's hope that doesn't happen, but uh, I hope that they make some sort of like replicable thing. Maybe I don't know, like 
Um, I think, yeah, I, I think it, it could be good. I, I'm interested to see what happens. Uh, not to totally, it could be good if they're just putting out an insurance product that can compete with like United, because those, those companies, those insurance companies are certainly doing things that is not, um, are not cool. Like, so it's like, they do need more competitors. It's like, they're essentially like a lot of other segments in society, an oligopoly that controls like, uh, most of one corner of the market so it's cool that other actors are entering into that market um but it's just it's a totally dysfunctional market already so (laughs) so that's why it's kind of like that's why you know like all those healthcare companies like health insurance companies rather lost a a bunch of money on the stock market last week uh but yeah uh all right well good license everyone good a good license to you all right das vidanya there's a story in uh hacks about how donna brazil uh, they, there was like a different gardener than they usually had, uh, and she assumed that it was a Russian agent putting listening devices in plants, <laughs> and so she would walk over there to water them and say "Dosvidaniya, Vladimir," <laughs> or whatever. Wait, was and was he actually? I mean, we don't know, but I'm just imagining like a, a nice old like Latin American lady that just gets replaced by like a giant Slavic <laughs> man. Like, yeah. like uh, <laughs> good Dora day, Lundgren. good day, Donna. I, I water plant and. Uh, <laughs> You know, no, don't mind the like little electronic. Yeah. Well, all right. Have a good, have a good one, everybody. 